When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi, everyone. I'm Dr. John White, WebMD's Chief Medical Officer and host of the Spotlight On series from WebMD's Health Discovered podcast. For this special two-part episode, you'll hear up-close and personal journeys about being diagnosed with a rare type of cancer, multiple myeloma. He looked at me. I have been his patient for more than 20 years, and he said, this is really strange. You're an African-American, age 57. I've never seen this before. This back pain that you're continually having with no signs of osteoporosis. No signs, exactly. And I didn't have any signs of osteoporosis in my family history. Listen to Health Discovered on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Happy New Year, Belly Up Sports fam! Mr. Shaka Cummings, Mr. Parker Ainsworth, welcome to FN Sports, the podcast with two teachers, great sports, biggest issues. Happy New Year, Mr. Ainsworth! Basically, <laughs> leading the whole show last week all by himself. Thank you for that. Um, <laughs> no worries, ho- hopefully the holidays have treated you well. I am curious, Mr. Ainsworth. What was the best present you got this year? Uh, well, it's funny. As we sit here recording, my wife got me some new equipment, some podcasting microphone kind of stuff. Um, so I, hopefully this sounds clean and smooth. Uh, so I would say that's obviously up there. I got, And then I got some clothes. I'm an adult now. I got clothes and things like that. What did you get? Did you get anything exciting? <laughs> my wife actually got me something for the podcast as well, something to just reflect the sound back. So that hopefully my sound's pretty good as well. Um, and then, yeah, I get clothes. But I get really excited about my clothes. So, like, I got a blazer. <laughs> It's awesome. I got Nike kill shots. Like I'm, I'm living the nice. dream. <laughs> uh, so uh, with it being 2021, everyone was happy to say goodbye to 2020. With it being 2021, we decided to change it up with our first segment and just do some sports resolutions for the new year. I'm going to start, Mr. Ainsworth. My first sport resolution for the new year, and this is one that I need to take into account, but I think everyone does. Never trust the ACC in football ever again. <laughs> like, we got to stop trusting the ACC. The ACC, friends, became the first Power 5 conference to go all for the entire bowl season. All for the whole bowl season. And listen, I'm a Kentucky fan, so I, when we played NC State, I was happy about that. Um, Kentucky this year went 4-6 and six in the SEC. They played NC State, who went 8-3, and three, and beat them in the bowl game. And it wasn't like NC State has a bunch of guys that just opted out. You know what I mean? So... Uh, North Carolina lost to Texas A&M. Uh, you had both ACC teams losing the playoff, which killed both of our predictions, Mr. Ainsworth, because Clemson's out now, right? They right. get they got beat like a drum oh, by wow. Ohio State. 
So. And I feel like I got super fooled because I really did like Clemson. I, I liked Ohio State making the playoff. I wouldn't oppose to that like some people were, but I really liked Clemson a lot. I thought it was going to be an embarrassing loss for Ohio State, and I was very much wrong. And then uh, I think it's funny they add Notre Dame to the ACC, and it only perpetuates <laughs> the exact same thing. It only hurts them. Incidentally, I, the little crack about some people wanting to leave Ohio State out, I don't appreciate that in a new year. Uh, Mr. Antor, <laughs> Mr. Antor, do you want to go ahead and hit us with a resolution for the new year? Yeah, it's sticking with... Uh, college sports i would like to continue watching college athletes speaking out for themselves and their communities i think that if you looked at the summer of 2020 you saw uh, you know maybe maybe because i'm a big texas fan and you saw people do it at the 40 acres specifically with things like the eyes of texas song or you know tom herman just got the x about 24 hours ago as we speak but he was big and influential and like he let the kids talk and they led their own black lives matter march and they were influence in the community there in Austin. And I, I just think that it's important to let those kids continue to be the active kids in their communities that everyone else in the college age range is. Because as you look at these communities, we're just history teachers. You look back at the 60s, you look back at the 80s, looking back at past movements, it's always college age kids leading those things. It's young folks leading those things. And so I think it's cool to see the college athletes also doing that. No, absolutely. And to piggyback on that with my next resolution, I just want to see college athletes continue with player empowerment. And you talked about that from the community side and in terms of social justice and movements there. I want that to continue with collegiate issues, things like transfers, things like eligibility. Like I just want players to keep pushing the boundaries and pushing the envelope because the reality is the NCAA is a multi-billion dollar business and it only works because these athletes get screwed out of being paid based on the revenue they generate. So as long as you're going to keep a system like that in place, the athletes should keep pushing, keep pushing, keep fighting. And of course, as a part of player empowerment, fight to get paid too, because I think that college athletes definitely get the short end of the stick there. It's about the whole spectrum, realizing that you have power as a college student that other students actually don't have. So while you do have some restrictions, you have some powers that other students don't have to push administration in directions that might make them uncomfortable. Take advantage of that and keep doing it. My other resolution, obviously, I'm I'm a big basketball guy, is to, for myself and others, is watch more WNBA basketball. I think I've gotten more into it the last few years. I'd say I probably watch a game a week. Last time there's a regular, regular season. It happening at the same time as like all of sports in the world happening at once this fall kind of threw off my my watch and I feel like I need to go back and watch more of it this upcoming season. Uh, I, I only got to watch a little bit of it, like I said, because it was in the same time as men's basketball, same time as baseball, same time as football, same time as college football. All that stuff was happening at once, and so I got kind of lost and mixed and didn't get to watch any single thing as much as I normally would. But it's fun basketball to watch, and I think anyone that says anything else is just lying to themselves. Uh, and meanwhile, while we're at it, can we also bring back the Houston Comets? They're still tied for the most, <laughs> still tied for the most WNBA championship in any franchise, and they hadn't played in 13 years. So I think we need to bring them back i think we need to get a follow from cynthia cooper at this point like come on <laughs> like, um you know what on uh, in that vein mr Ainsworth, my final uh, resolution is just i hope that in this covid year where some of these sports that don't have the huge television deals that the nba nfl major league baseball have i just hope that these sports are able to overcome the lack of revenue from in-stadium that came with COVID. Um, There's a big story that came out this week that uh, the MLS is actually going to invoke a clause that allows them to tear up their CBA, their collective bargaining agreement. You know, the MLS is a sport. I actually enjoy soccer. I'm a I'm an American football coach, but I do enjoy soccer. Um, <laughs> and so when you see something like that, you know that that's about COVID impacting the business and that we have to come back and talk about revenue. And I just hope that you know, some of the sports that maybe are might be considered fringe, because I do think that in the United States, there's really three major sports. We throw hockey in there, but really the major television deals are baseball, football, basketball. And then if you want to start talking about other sports, it's really college football and college basketball because they have major television deals, right? You know, the NHL, MLS, uh, WUSA, which is the Women's Soccer League, MMA, I love UFC, I love Bellator. Like, I just hope that all these sports are able to survive. COVID, because frankly, a lot of people didn't in 2020, and let's just hope that our sports are able to keep going. Friends, those are some resolutions for the new year. 
Uh, we are going to do our NBA preview episode. So this is all basketball today. We're going to talk about the NBA Finals and who we're predicting to win. We're going to talk about the NBA Awards and who we're predicting to win. And then we're going to do some multiple choice questions that have nothing to do with predictions in terms of who's winning or losing, um, unless you <laughs> count some NBA coaches' jobs, because maybe that's winning or losing. That is uh, losing. That is losing. <laughs> for sure. Um, so without further ado, Mr. Ainsworth, are you ready to go, sir? Ready when you are, Shaka. All right, Mr. Cummings. In our basketball extravaganza this week, we're just a few days into the season, or a few games into the season, I should say. We're going to look at previewing what we can tell is going to happen now. The first thesis reads, the Los Angeles Lakers will repeat as NBA champs in 2021. You hear that one and think. I think that I was not expecting the word extravaganza. So, like, when you threw that out there, I was like, oh, okay, that's cool. <laughs> um, no, uh, uh, it's it's probably an A- right now for me. Uh, I hate to say that because, like, the Lakers look really good. They just look really, really good. How would you grade that, Mr. Ainsworth? I, I think this will be a more exciting segment than it sounds right now because I'm also going to say A-. Uh, I, 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 <laughs> it's just they're the favorites right now, and they should be. But that's where, that's where I'm at right now. All right, Mr. Cummings. So we both gave this thesis an A-, meaning we both think that the Lake Show will repeat as NBA champs. Tell me what you're thinking. So here's the thing. I'm not the only one, apparently, right? I, I, well, we're not the only ones who think that the Lakers are clearly the favorite. I have an odd shark opened, and I have the odds to win the NBA championship in 2020 at the beginning of the season. The Lakers are a plus 210 to win. What that means is if you lay down $100, you get your $100 back plus $210. The next odds are the Brooklyn Nets, which I have an issue with, but they're plus 500. That means that the Lakers are a better than 2-1 to one against the Nets. <laughs> like, they got, they're twice as likely to win the championship as the Nets, according to Vegas. You start going down this list, the Bucks are at a plus 600, which are tied with the Clippers. Then you got the Boston Celtics and the Miami Heat, both plus 1,500. The 76ers at plus 1,600. Uh, Denver, oh, Denver, plus 2,000. Uh, uh, <laughs> let me just tell you, like, uh, Denver and the Mavs are the next two. And it's like, oh, God. Um, the Mavs are plus 2,200. I hope you guys didn't lay 100 down on these teams. They're struggling <laughs> out the gate. But um, it seems like the general consensus is when you look at the Lakers roster, the retooling that they did, their roster actually looks better than it did in the NBA Finals, yeah, right? Like, when you see Schroeder and uh, Montrez Harrell, it's like, oh, man. Well, I mean, you mentioned the roster. I think the roster got noticeably better at several spots. Obviously, Schroeder is a you know a starting level point guard that wasn't starting in Oklahoma City, but he is a starter as a point guard. There been a lot of three guard sets with he, Chris Paul, and Shea last year, but he he's a great addition to them. They lose Rondo, so it's like you know what do you call that a toss up and this that and none of the other. But I think Schroeder being a scorer versus Rondo as a playmaker is interesting because of how that pairs with LeBron. Because LeBron you, can play the point too, right? You also don't lose as much defensively as people might think. Like, Rondo is an elite defender. Like, he might be a Hall of Famer just based on his defense. Right. But Schroeder's not a slouch there. Not a slouch. Uh, they also add Marcus Soule, who looks like a rejuvenated version of himself. And I, I know, you know, Jay and our Toronto folks are really upset to see him in Lakers gold and purple. But it, he really does look like... <laughs> a younger version of himself almost almost added, looking pow-esque dare i say right they added montrez they added added west matthews they uh they brought back markeith the Taylor horton tucker kid had a big preseason game it looked like maybe they can turn him into something that they, they look really strong and it's interesting if you look at the time the lakers three-peated in my lifetime that three-peat was when they went 2000 2001 2002 right with the Shaq and kobe years the 2001 year they only lost one playoff game, right? They was <laughs> they only lost the one game to Iverson when he has forty eight in his first ever finals game, and like it, it, people like act like Iverson won the finals that night. Right? He was just so incredible, and that was an overtime loss, and that was the only time that Lakers team lost a playoff game the whole run. To be fair, that moment though lives on in infamy. We steps over Tyloo. Sure. <laughs> For sure, I I'm not saying this team doesn't lose a playoff game. I'm saying it feels like we're in a similar run here, right? Because LeBron and AD, Kobe, Shaq, you know, like, you know, a little bit of an older guy, younger guy, you know, outside guy, inside guy, although both Davis and LeBron can play outside and can play inside. Yeah. You you also have this element of, like, this team looks better than last year, and last year they five-pieced the West across the board and, like, were surprised to get to the sixth game 
in the finals. Like, I understand it's the <laughs> bubble, and so it's like a little bit different. There's no home court advantage and those kind of things. But, like, that's impressive, and they look even better on paper. As you look across the league, you pointed out how dramatically different the odds are. I mean, the drop-off from the Lakers to the Nets is huge. Who do you see as any other big contender for this? I mean, is there anyone else? I mean, I'm looking – I want to start in the West, right? Because, obviously, you can't – win the finals if you don't get to the finals, right? And so the team, obviously, that you got to start with is the one that's in town, right? you got to start with the Clippers. Now, I understand that the Clippers got upset by the Nuggets. Like, literally, we were doing the podcast while that was happening. So um, <laughs> we understand that that occurred. But the Clippers, in terms of top-end talent, because what's happening now in the league is different than when Golden State was winning their championships and they were going up against Cleveland. We had the big three-headed monsters, right? It's not the Boston Three Party. It's not the Heatles. You got these pairs. And if you look at Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, they never got a crack at the Lakers in the playoffs. But if you look at that duo, you would think that that duo could have some success against those guys. We didn't even get the opportunity to see it. But what I would love to see, actually, with when those guys play in the playoffs, you could switch Paul George and Kawhi on LeBron and AD, and you won't get a drop-off. They added Serge and Batum, uh, Serge Ibaka and Nicholas Batum, who people kind of laughed at the Batum signing. I think it's interesting that those are two guys that could give you spurts on Davis as well. And it's well, not they can, they, they'll play a role, too. That's like Serge right. Ibaka is not coming in thinking, I'm Oklahoma City Serge Ibaka. He realizes, hey, I want a exactly. championship just being a, another dude. You know what I mean? Batum defensively, too, man. Well, and that's my thought is that, like, no one can keep AD to, like, less than 15, but they can give you minutes where you don't have to have George on AD. They can give you minutes where you don't have to have Kawhi on AD or whatever the case may be there. I think they're an interesting team because they're built to beat the Lakers. I don't know if they will or not, or but the issue last year was <laughs> you got to get to play them. So, like, if you're built to beat the Lakers, that's great, but you have to play them. You also to have to be them. built to beat the Nuggets, right? Like, you right. got to be built a- to beat everybody. Very different team. And they had trouble against the Porzingis-less Mavs, too. So it's interesting to see, like, you know, what does that team look like when they're not playing the Lakers? And we saw them open up the season with a big win over the Lakers, and that's fun. But, like, also, it's that was ring ceremony night, and the Lakers had just finished playing. Like, it felt like 24 hours before, right? Like, it, it really did not feel like they had a lot of time off. So I don't know how much I invest in the opening night game. I... I think the Clippers are fun, but I don't know if I can pick them over other Western Conference teams. Do you? It's hard. Uh, the, the The deal with the Clippers is the regular season, I feel like, really doesn't matter much to them. People have the conversation about Kawhi and, you know, play lo- player load management, all that stuff, whatever. The, the regular season, you're not even going to see the best of them because I don't know that you'll see enough of them, which might be an issue as well, right? Some people think that the chemistry was a part of the issue in the playoffs last year. It'll be interesting to see what the Clippers look like rolling into that playoff. And it's also obviously going to be interesting to see what the matchups look like. I don't want to be stuck only on the Clippers. There's some other interesting Western Conference teams too. I mean, coming into the season, Dallas looked interesting. Denver looked interesting. The season has started as we do this preview, and it has not started well for those teams in particular. <laughs> so that that's, uh, that's a tough deal. Uh, I will say I honestly came into the season thinking the team that people need to watch out for is Phoenix. And so... I you thought that, that they, yeah, yeah I mean, I thought that they could be like a low six, seven, eight seed, kind of maybe in the play-in. But man, they've gotten off to a really good start as well. So there's some teams in the Western Conference that look interesting. Is there a team that you would pick? Who do you think gives the Lakers the toughest challenge? Do you think it's the Clippers? So it'll come down to matchups. I think it'll be interesting that so it'll be interesting to see where teams settle because I don't know if Phoenix finishes the year at the top of the West, right? Like they started off hot. People are figuring out what they look like now. Chris Paul had the Thunder team to a five seed. It's, do you think this team's better than last year's Thunder team? Probably. You know, so where do they fit in there? Uh, I also think it's interesting that the Blazers sitting right there at three and two. You know, where do they shake out on the season? I assume the Mavs win some games when Porzingis comes back, right? They played their first five games of the year without Porzingis. Pelicans so, being four and two might be a little surprising too. Zion, man. Like, that's that, a story. Well, when he plays, he's really good. It's just, does he get to continue to play at this clip? <laughs> The interesting thing to me is in the West, we're like looking at like, well, some teams just aren't starting the year well and this thing other, where there are legitimately like 13 of the 15 teams that could make the top 10. And we say top 10 this year, right? Because 7, 8, 9, 10 have their own play-in games, right? And so making the top 10 is important, but that's going to leave out like three of these teams that are pretty good. So you got to assume like 
Do the Spurs eventually fell out of this? They're sitting here at two and three, kind of middle of the pack. But like, are they going to finish the season in the middle of the pack? You know, did the Timberwolves sit in the middle of the pack the whole year? Did the Thunder sit in the middle of the pack the whole year? I look at this and try and figure out who's going to fall back. The Warriors are currently at the bottom. Does Steph end up launching them further? Or is that just where they're going to be until they're, you know, Clay Thompson comes back in next year now, hopefully? I, I just, I don't know how this shakes out as far as who misses it. I can look at, if I look at, you know, for sure teams that will make it in Lakers, Clippers, the Jazz are always in the playoffs, right? I think the Blazers are, are in okay shape. I don't know that, I, again, the Lakers five-pieced the entire West last year. I don't Gentlemen know if I've got, sweeps, man. I don't know if I've got them getting really, you know, any real competition out there. So then let's go to the East because I think we got we got the Lakers. I, I, I get the sense we're both going to be there. If we look at the Eastern Conference, right? So it's interesting because I intuitively want to look at the Bucks. I intuitively want to look at the Celtics. I intuitively want to look at the Heat. They are currently the 8th, 9th, and 10th seeds, <laughs> like, as the season has started. So it's like, ooh, playing games. Now, interestingly enough, the Knicks are in the play-in. That won't last. Uh, the other <laughs> – so the Knicks would be the other team in that. And it's like, oh, ooh, that's not good for us. Um, who are the teams to you that you feel like, oh, man, Cream's going to rise to the top? Well, I think it's interesting that the Sixers are currently there. Um, I think there was a lot of talk in the offseason, as short as it was, about like, well, Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid will never work, and we got to trade one, this and the other. And I think that there's very clearly a, like, no, this will work. Duck Rivers will make this work kind of attitude there. I don't know if they stay at the top the whole year, but they have been in the top four-ish for, of the conference for a while now. I also think, like you're saying, like, Giannis and the Bucks play their way back up. I think... The Nets, who started off hot and are now 3-3, three and three, are kind of closer to that Clippers-Lakers thing. Not in a sense of a finals favorite like we were talking in the West, but that they've got Kevin Durant with two finals MVPs. They've got Kyrie Irving with a finals game-winning shot. Like I think that they feel like they just need to make the playoffs and see what shakes out after that. right? So I, I don't know how much they're going to invest in making the top seed overall, but I, I think they eventually just start to rise just on talent alone. They're also deeper than people think. But that's yeah, no, absolutely. They, I mean, again, they were a playoff team without them guys. Right. Right. That's what people um, Miami obviously made the finals last year, so I assume that they that heat culture stuff starts working out there and they play their way up. The funny one to me, and it's mostly because they were just winning the NBA title two years ago, is the Raptors seem down there at one and four, the Wizards seem down there at one and five. I could see the Raptors playing their way up out of that group of teams with one win. I guess the Pistons are also down there too, but I, I don't. I, the Wizards are just going to stay at the bottom. I think uh, they're one and five. And the Pistons are one and four. The Bulls are two and four. Those teams, I don't think they might make the nine ten seed to play in, but I don't know how much higher they get than that. No, I mean you got triple double Russ Westbrook. When you get triple double Russ Westbrook, your team's not good. That's the deal. It's like he feels like he has to do it all, and that's what Washington's getting. It's worth noting their one win is a game he didn't play in. So. Yeah, Russell noticed that too. Um, <laughs> uh, so the teams that are at the top in the East are interesting because I, I personally thought that Atlanta would be better. They're 4-2. That 4-2 and two record has them tied with the Pacers, the Magic, and the Cavs for the second best record in the conference. And this is why you don't start doing things after six games, right? Because I don't think that anyone anticipates that those four teams are going to stay there. But I do think that there's a couple of surprise teams in the East, I do think the Hawks are going to be better than people anticipate. I actually, I like Colin Sexton a lot. <laughs> so He's fun. He's a lot of fun. Absolutely. So I, I'm not surprised at the, I don't know how long they can stay there, though, right, uh, in terms of being kind of in this top tier. So now I just want to jump to kind of our finals predictions by conference, and then we'll do our NBA finals predictions. So, like, I'm thinking about the East. If I'm going to pick... I'm not going to count out the Bucks. I think it's going to be the Bucks and the Nets. And I like Giannis, actually. They've, they've started out rough. And the regular season doesn't matter to these guys. What, they, what, what we now know is they could win 67 games and we would still be like, but do it in the playoffs. Now, if I say, hey, I like the Bucks and the Nets, I'm obviously leaving out the NBA Finals participant from the year before. You already think I hate Bam Adebayo. I promise you I don't. <laughs> uh, I just I, I, I believe that it's going to be the Bucks and the Nets because I like the addition of uh, Drew Holiday in Milwaukee. I think from a defensive standpoint, he fits perfectly. I do think that he gives them enough offense with Middleton. It looks like they're not going to do the harder thing. So with Middleton and with Giannis. And then 
Brooklyn, Kevin Durant is too talented even coming off an Achilles to be playing with a guy like Kyrie Irving. And that team is already a playoff team and them not to be back. So I'm going to take the, but I'm going to take the Bucks to get to the finals. I'm going to go with the LA-LA matchup that we didn't get the year before, and I'm taking the Lakers. So now, Mr. Ainsworth, your conference yeah. finals predictions. So my conference finals predictions are interesting because I don't know where to go out west. I think, like you're saying, the most logical part of my brain goes to Lakers Clippers just because they are two very talented teams that are built to win in the playoffs. I think the interesting thing is is that there are a lot of questions surrounding a lot of Clippers except for one and how they perform in the playoffs, right? And so <laughs> I think that that's worth noting, but I don't know who my obvious team to knock them out would be. The homer in me wants to say it's the John Wall-led Houston Rockets, but the, <laughs> the truth is that, you know, they struggled with the Mavs without Porzingis last year. With Porzingis healthy, that could be a team that gives them trouble again, you know, or it could Don't be, be relying on Christoph Porzingis to be healthy. This is a Nick right. fan talking. <laughs> well, I just, I just rooted for the John Wall Rockets. Um, I will say also, <laughs> you could have, is it Dame time? Is it time for Portland to make a run to the Western Conference Finals again? Because he, you know, he has like one year of decent playoff success. He's got the buzzer beaters, but like, is it his time to finally like make a real run at this thing? I guess logically I would also go Lakers Clippers, but that's just because I'm a very safe gambler and not a very adventurous one. In the East, I think it's funny. You picked three of the four teams I would pick You, as far as like who you're looking at. You looked at the Nets, the Bucks, the Heat, and then I would throw in the Sixers because, again, I think anytime you have two guys that could both be competing for Defensive Player of the Year and JoJo and Ben Simmons, like that, that's a lot of fun. And, that, and think, MVP as well, frankly. They both are right. MVP candidates. Well, and then that's, you know, those are defense carries over in the playoffs. And so if that's two guys that can win Defensive Player of the Year, that's something that will carry over. New coach, new system, right? I like the additions they made in shooting around the perimeter with Seth Curry and those guys too. And so, you know, maybe that's that's the thing that works out of those four teams. Out of those four teams, I go with talent, and I see Kevin Durant as one of the most talented guys I've ever watched play basketball, much less this season. I know he's coming off the Achilles injury. My hot take on that, and we can go back and forth this at a later date, is a, Kevin Durant at 80% is Dirk at 100. So, like, like honestly, I think at the seven-foot shooter that he is, we saw Dirk win a whole title at 100% playing the best basketball he ever played in his life. I think Kevin Durant at 80% is going to be able to do that. He's a seven-foot shooter with all the range. He doesn't have a lot of stuff in the toolbox, but you can't stop any of it. I, I'm high, high on them. So I think I have them winning the East over Giannis and the Bucks. I think the Bucks, you know, make the next step. They get past the second round because they've only been in the second round a couple times now. Uh, I guess they got to one East Conference Finals a couple years ago. They've been to the second round last year. They might get to the East Conference Finals next year, but I just don't know what they have that stops both Kyrie and Durant and Levert and DeAndre and Jared Allen and all those guys. You know, Joe Harris spotting from the corner. You can't leave him alone. That's a tough, tough team. I, again, though, I think the Lakers win it all and doesn't really matter. So, like, okay. <laughs> it's an, I was going to get into the Bucks matchups against the Nets, but then you just said the thing. It doesn't matter. The Lakers are winning it all. LeBron's getting a ring, guys. Like, y'all gonna have to start well, talking about him in the rarefied air that is number 23. And we're not talking about the current number 23. Y'all know what I'm saying. <laughs> well, and it's interesting there, too, because, like, he wins his fifth... Say he wins his fifth ring this year and all things go according to plan, like we're saying. That's as many as Kobe. That's just one behind Jordan with a lot more appearances. And there's a lot more things. Like, all of a sudden, we're talking about a very different guy, which is funny because when LeBron was... 30 and he had like two rings and people were like what why are we comparing him to jordan it's like oh then six years later he's got five <laughs> it's like, oh wait, it's a whole different conversation it's the conversation that you keep having with me where i'm like no you got to trade ben simmons or joel and you're like dude they're five years old just let give them some time let it marinate <laughs> okay parker so the thesis statement for this commercial is james harden has the best beard in sports what do you think about that thesis statement? Oh, I give it an A. You know, as a Houston guy, we we seem to have an affinity for our beers between guys like him, Dallas Keiko, lots of big dudes in the Houston area. What do you think about the thesis? So I'm a Jets fan, and I absolutely love the beard that Ryan Fitzpatrick has. So maybe I would give Ryan Fitzpatrick the nod over James Harden. But you're talking to a couple of bearded teachers, and we know a thing or two about making sure that you maintain that mane. So check out the beard struggle. The beard struggle, they make oils, they make balms, they even have this heated comb to make sure that you get your beard straight so that you're looking fresh. I know I've really enjoyed using the 
oil they make for my quarantine beard of sorts. It's nice and long these days, but it'll <laughs> keep it nice and healthy and hydrated. And if you're listening to our show, you can use FN Sports 15 and get 15% off your oils, your balms, your shampoos, conditioners, whatever you need to use to keep your beard looking healthy. Absolutely. Check out The Beard Struggle at thebeardstruggle.com. Whether you're just starting to grow or you have a luscious mane already, The Beard Struggle's got all the products that you need. The Beard Struggle. Feast your face. Okay, Mr. Ainsworth. Now we get into the individual awards piece around the NBA, but we start with the big daddy, which is the MVP. And we go to Las Vegas because that's where you got to go to get all your news. Uh, The thesis (laughs) reads, Luka Doncic should be the Vegas favorite to win the MVP. I say that to you, Mr. Ainsworth. How are you going to grade that thesis statement? Well, I would say that what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. But what I really say (laughs) is that uh, I give that like a C. Uh, Yeah, you're way more generous than me. That's an F. He should not be the Vegas favorite. So that's anyway. We'll get into it in the next segment. (laughs) Okay, Mr. Ainsworth. Uh, we had a slight disagreement in that you actually passed the thesis statement. Uh, Luka Doncic should be the Vegas favorite to win the MVP. You didn't You didn't give an overwhelmingly passing grade. You uh, passed it with a C. You're a little higher on this. Talk to me about why that is. Well, I like to keep kids eligible. And No, what I, what I really look at it at is that if the Mavericks are going to be competitive in the West good this year, they're going to need him to play at an MVP level. He's got a lot of hype and narrative narrative surrounding him, and I think that that is important because we hear voters every year talk about voting with the narrative. There, I mean, that's the only reason you would have voted for LeBron James a year ago, right, as opposed to Giannis. And so I, I think that that's an important piece of this. When I think specifically to is he the MVP, though, it pulls me back to a C. So I, I want to get out there and say, like, I gave it a C because my A reasons were that if they're going to be good, he has to be like an MVP. If he starts to look like an MVP, he's got a narrative. People love him already. The Holly Lucas song, his rookie year, like I, I was at the Dallas Houston <laughs> game that year, and he broke our hearts in one of his few clutch performances. Um, so I looked at that, and I'm thinking, man, that, that could all happen. He is turning 22 in February. 22 is the age of the youngest MVP ever in Derrick Rose. Derrick Rose was 22 in the 2010-11 season. And, you know, in getting older order, the next oldest, the next youngest MVP was Wes Unseld at 23 and 68-69. Bob McAdoo was also 23 and 74-75. Walt Chamberlain is 23 and 59-60. And Bob Pettit was 24 and 55 Okay, for my old heads, we got to go back to Wes Unseld because what folks don't realize is that Wes Unseld also won Rookie of the Year that year. Wes Unsell right. was Rookie of the Year and MVP. This is back well, when he actually played four played years Played four years of college, exactly. And so I think it's worth noting that each of those guys played or was newer to the NBA than Rose and Doncic were, right? Because even Wilt Chamberlain had to do some years with the Globetrotters before he was eligible for the draft and stuff like that, right? The idea that Luka could win this award at such a young age is going to drive a lot on the narrative and a lot on him keeping the Mavericks at a top tier of the NBA playoff type level. And we just talked about how right now they're not looking like that. <laughs> so They are struggling. I'm sorry. Their record is ridiculous. I mean, they're supposed to be a lot better, obviously, based on just the better. Vegas odds. They're just really bad. As I look at the field, like, do I pick Giannis for a three-peat? Do I pick Durant to win it in a comeback player of the year type fashion? Do I pick the old head LeBron to win another one? Like, who do I pick on this? And that's where I start to think, like, huh, maybe Luka is the 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 guy there what do you look at you gave it an f like you went low low so what are you th- am i missing anything as you know my giving it a c well in my mind yes <laughs> but here's the thing that we can talk about a little bit which is what you just started to allude to so we, we i'm looking at vegas insider and i'm looking at the las vegas odds for luka Doncic to be the mvp he's at plus 400 once again that means that if you bet a hundred dollars you get your hundred dollars back plus $400 on top of that if Luka wins the MVP, right? So the next guy on the list is Giannis at plus 425, which can you give me the objective data that supports Luka being ahead of Giannis? Like Giannis is the defending back-to-back MVP. Giannis's team is anticipated to be better. Like there's no reason that Doncic should be ahead of Giannis unless... You're just saying, well, Giannis already has two, so we're not going to give him a third one, which 
okay, but that's stupid, right? Like, if Giannis is the best player, you should give it to him. It's it's the same deal here, right? Because when we look at this list, there's so many former MVPs that are on this list that it almost feels like, well, we want to give it to a new person versus we want to give it to the best person. Steph Curry at plus 500 is third. LeBron James at plus 700. With James Harden at plus 800. Kevin Durant at plus 1,000. If you were to ask me, I would say probably all those guys have a better chance of winning the MVP than Luka. Maybe the exception would be Steph Curry because Klay Thompson went out. Like, if you would have asked me before the season started, that's how what I would have thought. Now, the other guys right. who are on this list that are interesting, Anthony Davis, Kawhi Leonard, both interesting, both of whom are in the West, both of whom I think have teams that objectively people think are going to be better than Dallas. So... Why is Anthony Davis at plus 700? He's not a, he's not someone who won the MVP before. If the Lakers are really good this year and Anthony Davis puts up the same numbers that he put up last year, there's nothing to say that the narrative doesn't switch to, well, hey, maybe now this is becoming AD's team and he's made that transition and now maybe he's the MVP. And here's yeah. the other thing that these odds don't take into account, right? Because these odds are trying to get people to put a buck down. Because that's how Vegas builds their casinos, right? Right. They want you to vote for Luka because if he doesn't win, they get your money. Absolutely. And so if they make the odds just right enough, maybe you'll put the money down. There's obviously going to be players who aren't even a part of this, right? Like, we don't see Dame Lillard on this. There's no reason why this isn't going to be the year that Dame Lillard wins the MVP. We don't see some other young guys. Like, people forget that Trey Young was in that draft, too. Atlanta is going to be good this year. Devin Booker. Phoenix is going to be good this year. So there's just some other guys who maybe could come from out of nowhere and all of a sudden they're MVP contenders. I do think it's interesting that Giannis sits at the second best odds when, as I look back, only one person in modern basketball has ever won three consecutive MVPs, and that was Larry Bird, right? Like, there was voter fatigue with Jordan, and that's why Karl Malone gets one. And so then there's the famous, I took that person. I took that that personally. (laughs) There was voter fatigue for LeBron. He wins two in Cleveland, goes to Miami, becomes a villain. You know, Derrick Rose also has a tremendous year, so back and forth there. But then like, oh, and then he wins two more in a row. So he wins four in five years, but he didn't ever win three in a row, right? Magic Johnson won three in five, four years, I'm bad at math. But again, didn't win (laughs) three in a row. Jordan wins five in 10 years, but never won three in a row, right? So like lots of these guys have won a handful. It's worth noting that Kareem wins six in a period of nine years. It's like, again, but never wins three in a <laughs> row. Like it, It's just interesting to see that like, maybe there is some genuine fatigue in how this war handed out, and Giannis is still second. <laughs> like, like, even with all that fatigue, he's still the second best odds. And I think it's because the Bucks are such a good team and he is everything for them. Real quick, your gut instinct. Who's winning the MVP this year? My gut would be Durant. But again, I talked in the last segment about why how much I like Durant. But my gut says Durant because I think there is fatigue with Giannis. And I don't know that he wins it three days in a row. But my gut would also not have Luka <laughs> in the top five. Like, like I would have several people in my gut before I got to the dessert of Luka Doncic. My gut is LeBron. And I think that you could write the narrative story that has LeBron ahead of... Let me say this, guys. I genuinely believe that in the next five years, Luka Doncic will be the best player in the NBA, and it won't even be close. Like, the NBA will pub him in that way as well because international, he's going to have global appeal. I just don't think he's ready yet, and I don't think his team is ready yet. So that's that's kind of where I am there. And I hope that no one takes us saying that this is laughable as, like, some slight to a 21-year-old basketball player. (laughs) Who he will is, be an MVP? He will yeah. be an MVP someday, just not in 2020, 2021. He's in my mind. tremendous, and he's going to be good for a long time. And by the time we're talking in 2030, when he's 31 years old, like, he'll have one <laughs> who knows how many MVPs. It just won't be this one. That is so crazy. Um, let's go and jump to how about Rookie of the Year? So let's talk about some other awards. Rookie of the Year. Uh, James Wiseman. According to Vegas Insiders, the favorite to win the award at plus 225. Then you got Anthony Edwards, Tyrese Halliburton, LaMelo Ball, Obi Toppin. Anthony Edwards is plus 350. He was actually the number one pick in the draft. Oh, by the way, uh, Tyrese Halliburton is with the Kings. That's an interesting one because Tyrese Halliburton is a point guard. He plays with the Kings. So, like, okay, you want to say, well, De'Aaron Fox, of course, is the point guard. Maybe you could put him at the two. Well, Buddy Hill plays there, too. So where does Tyrese Halliburton even get on the court to be the third favorite right. to win the uh, Rookie of the Year? It's just it's interesting. Uh, if you were 
to pick a rookie. And I mean, and there's some other guys. We haven't said Cole Anthony. We haven't talked about Ike Okaro. There's some guys, right? You got a gut a good feel class. about a good rookie class. of the year? So my preseason pick, and I think belly up to the thing, it was preseason picks, but like that was before the Russ Westbrook trade. Like I like I, that was that was a long time ago <laughs> back to this point. Um I think my pick was Wiseman because if Clay was able to play and the Warriors had Wiseman. It might have been right after Clay got hurt, actually. But my thought was that if the Warriors made the playoffs, that'd be a very, like, like Wiseman would be the beneficiary of a lot. And I think that it's funny that you've got some some of the athletic guys, like Kamikari and stuff like that, writing about how Wiseman has this gravity, because I loved using that word for Steph for so many years. And it's like, gravity on a team that's one and four, or whatever. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, I will say I've been impressed by Edwards in the first 10 days of the season, uh, I've obviously watched Halliburton and the Kings play my Rockets the last two games because they're doing the deal where they play like almost like a baseball series. I was impressed by they went a three-guard lineup with Bagley at the five kind of defending the lane and like ball pressure out of the three guards. Halliburton looked good in that and is the beneficiary of you have to cover healed and you have to have someone fast in front of swipe a fox, right? And so like all of a sudden you've got a lesser defender in front of Halliburton. And so he he can take advantage there. I don't know if he's going to be the rookie of the year, though. The fun one would be LaMelo. And I think it's fun because <laughs> it's fun for content, right? Gives us something to talk about and big baller brand and so on. But it's also fun because this would be like, oh my God, owner Michael Jordan did something right. <laughs> like, and so I want it to be LaMelo now that things are getting rolling. It looks like he can really play, but I'm not sure if I could pick over Edwards. If the Timberwolves make a playoff, it's going to be because Anthony Edwards is playing like a rookie of the year, I think. I love how you think the fun one is LaMelo. Like, sorry, the fun one is Obi Toppin because, number one, I'm a Knicks fan. But also, <laughs> if he were to do anything in New York that made people think the Knicks might be good, guys, you don't even understand how big basketball can be when the Knicks are good, like if the Knicks, Celtics, Lakers are all good, Philly's good too. Like these big markets, man, that's a that would be a huge deal, obviously, for the NBA. Now, Top has missed a few games with some injury. The other thing is, is that he's not playing the way that I anticipated the Knicks would play him. Although I shouldn't be surprised by that, because what did the Knicks ever do right? Obi Toppin would be interesting as hell if he were to win it. I actually liked him as someone to win it because I believe that he was the best guy coming in with all the experience that he had. He just has to be healthy. And I do think that he's going to be on the floor enough to get opportunities as long as he is healthy. So if he's healthy, I'm going Obi Toppin. Uh, if he is not healthy, then I'm inclined to think the number one pick is the number one pick for a reason. Um, he already has shown that he cares more about basketball than Andrew Wiggins. So I like Anthony Edwards. <laughs> um, let's talk most improved player. So the odds, again, from Vegas Insider. I know you're going to love their favorite. Their favorite is Christian Wood, plus 375. Now, number two on the list is Michael Porter Jr. at plus 900. So they're basically giving this award to Christian Wood. There's, there's obviously a lot of players, and this thing can go in a lot of different directions, right? Who are you thinking about in terms of most improved? Is it really, like, is Christian Wood really the guy who you're thinking about, or are you thinking other people? Well, I think there's a couple ways that it plays out where it's Christian Wood. For one, the Rockets doing well will be attributed to him uh, because of the exodus of Russell Westbrook. And who knows if Harden finished the season on the team, but he is the new face on the team, right? Because we've all seen John Wall play before. Obviously, he's looking very good and very healthy in his last two games. We've, But we haven't heard as much about Christian Wood, who's been kind of to this point a stat filler on bad teams. I would yeah, almost just stuck in Detroit, man. Yeah, and I'd almost argue that it's kind of ironic that he'd win most improved player when he's getting very similar statistics. It's just on television and in wins now, right? I I look at this list, and I, first of all, I love that Markel Fultz is back on this list because I'm really, really rooting for a good career for him in Orlando. He I've, got his contract extension too. I think he got yeah. sixty million for three um, years, which is a good deal too. I'm I'm really pumped for the the growth he's had since he got there. I'm glad glad the change of scenery worked out well for him. I think the interesting play here is in the first ten days of the season, Sabonis looks very real. He, Sabonis I don't know, looks like his dad, man. Like his right. dad before his dad came to the NBA with bad knees. Like he looks uh, good. Well, I don't know if he'll ever, I mean, his dad before he came to the NBA would have been one of the best players of all time to play in the NBA, right? And so I don't know if he'll ever get that good, uh, but he certainly looks like he could be very good. Like, he looks like this year the guy that earned the all-star bid he got last year. A lot of guys thought, like, how did he get one last year? Da, da, da. And like, now it's like, <laughs> there's no question he's an all-star. And so while it's hard to get a MIP after making the all-star game the year before, 
I don't think there's any question that he's an all-star right now, and so I would I would think it's there. Porter Jr. and Zion feel like it's just like these young guys that are getting normally same with Shea Gilchrist, like getting normally getting better based on having limited experience watching them in the past because of health and whatnot. So I guess I would lean on Sabonis. I love that Fultz is back, but I think I'd lean Sabonis. Incidentally, the guy who I would pick to win this award is plus four thousand, which um, makes me think I need to get to a sports book and put a hundred bucks down <laughs> because I'm going Colin Sexton because people don't watch Cleveland, so they don't know how good he is. But if you watch Cleveland, Colin Sexton is a Very boss good. every night on a bad team where you know he's got to shoot. He gets you twenty, and he'll defend your dude. Like if you got a backcourt guy, he's on him, uh, and he's hungry, man. He plays the game the way that fans. Always think we would play the game if we ever got the chance because, you know, we never, we're never going to get that chance. If we got out there, we'd be as hungry as that. Like, Colin Sexton actually plays like that. And he's plus 4,000. So I would lay 100 bucks down on him in a heartbeat. Incidentally, Devin Booker's also plus 4,000. Like, I'm about to rustle me up a couple hundred dollars. I bet these odds are not the same now. Not now that the Cavs are 4 and 2 and that uh, Phoenix is 5 and 1. Let's go to Defensive Player of the Year. And really, I just, the question is, do you like Rudy Gobert being the favorite? Because <laughs> he's plus two fifty, and he is the favorite. Incidentally, Anthony Davis. It's basically it's basically a coin flip. Anthony Davis is at plus two sixty, and then the guy who's won it the last few years, Giannis, is a uh, plus four hundred. We've gone back to favoring the big guys because the way defenses play now, we're funneling things to big guys, and and the way that we're back to that style of basketball, and the way that, that shapes this award. I mean, you can see it. We see Davis and Gobert and Antetokounmpo and Adebayo and Joel and Turner, like, filling out the top whatever there, right? That's a lot of guys. You know I'm not very high on Rudy Gobert. Um, I think it's interesting that he won the award in, was it back-to-back years, the year they played the Rockets in the first round? And they had this, like, tremendous defense, and it was all everything, da-da-da. And then they had to completely reinvent the wheel and guard Harden literally from behind. Like, they had a guy playing, standing behind him when he had the basketball, and they still got the gentleman sweep. Like, at some point, it's like, <laughs> this defense is, like, just a lot of talk. I, I really like Davis to win this award because of his versatility. I think that there's also some idea of, like, if Giannis is going to win MVP every year, can he also win Depoy every year? I don't know if you can if they'll end up doing that every year. To be fair, though, I also had he and Giannis above Rudy a year ago. And so maybe that's just... You know, I probably would have had them ahead in the year two years ago if I had to go back and look at it. But I, I really, I, I would have Davis win this award this year. I like that Bam is finally back in the top five. He was not at this point a year ago, and so that's some love for my man Bam Bam. But I, <laughs> I think I give it to Davis. I talked a lot. What do you? I, think? I would give it to Davis as well, and I, I really do feel like that you disproportionately <laughs> look at Rudy Gobert's defense because Houston's able to score on him, and it's like Harden scores on everybody. Houston always scores. <laughs> Like, I, it, it, you're a Houston guy. You should, anyway. Um, I, I go, Gobert is a good defender. I do think that maybe he gets overrated a bit, but it's not because he can't play defense. It's because he's won a defensive player of the year award in back-to-back years. And anyway, I, I like Anthony Davis. I like Anthony Davis because of the reasons that you pointed out, versatility as well as what the league is. Like, the league is basically turned into what Anthony Davis was when he was the number one pick in the draft, which is he'll guard any of your play. Like, literally, Kentucky played the defense when he was switching your point guard. They didn't care because he could guard you out there and he'll block your shot, right? And he'll, get, he'll clean boards as well. Um, you, Drummond is always the guy who gets shortchanged in this thing where nobody they, – they forget that you end a defensive possession by getting a rebound. Andre Drummond should be on this list, but I'm going to go with Anthony Davis. Coach of the year, the favorite for coach of the year, according to Vegas Insider, is Steve Nash at plus 700. Monty Williams plus 1,000. And you can tell that this list was done before the season started because Rick Carlisle is at plus 1,200. <laughs> uh, Eric Spolstra plus 1,200. Doc Rivers plus 1,400. Ty Lue plus 16. Uh, Lloyd Pierce. I'll give people out there $1,000 so they can tell me who he coaches. Lloyd <laughs> Pierce, he's the coach of the Hawks because you guys don't know. Plus 1,600. Uh, Frank Vogel. Who are you thinking for coach of the year? And if you say Silas, you're a homer. <laughs> if i say silas i'm a homer what if he n- manages this crazy chaos that's going on no okay um, no actually actually you made a point there that <laughs> i take back what i said i'm gonna edit that out <laughs> um what what i think is interesting here is that you have steve nash in the nets monty williams in the suns carla in the mass again this is pre before the season started doc rivers in the sixers tyloo in the clippers lloyd pierce in the hawks that's several guys at the top of this list 
that are do are coaching teams that are expected to do a lot better than they did a year ago. And I think that's the way that this list actually always goes if you pay attention to it. It's like Greg Popovich has not won this award a bajillion times, but he's one of the best coaches ever, right? I can tell you right now, in his 20-plus years of coaching, he's been the best coach in the NBA more than three times. It doesn't mean that he's not, you know, should have not won the award those other years. So they give it to guys that tend to make a splash. So Steve Nash and the Nets is like, oh, man, look at the splash. Monty Williams and the elevation of the Suns is a splash, right? Doc Rivers changing the culture in Philadelphia is a splash. Ty Lue making an, you know, just going to another another finals in his Clipper stop, just like he did in four stops or how many stops it was in Cleveland is another splash. Like, those seem to be the way this award goes. I would give it to Monty because, again, elevating a team, rolling the dice on something new with the way they've got Jay Crowder, the way they've got Chris Paul, really, you know, promoting Devin Booker to more of this off the, you know, you could almost put the Booker Paul look just like a Harden Paul from a couple years ago with a rim runner and Aiton or the rim runner and Capella a couple years ago. Like that's a really fun team all of a sudden. And so I could see that team if they get where I think they'll be. I could see handing it to Monty Williams. I also think that there's some aspect of Steve Nash that people are just going to write off as Durant and Kyrie being Durant and Kyrie. Yeah, I mean, it's like the deal where Cleveland's coaches can never really win coach of the year because LeBron really coaches the team, right? Um, Incidentally, get the heck out of my head. I'm going to start charging you rent. Uh, I'm on Monty Williams as well. So now we we agree <laughs> on defensive player of the year and coach of the year. Okay, Mr. Ainsworth. I'm a former point guard. I'm going to lead us on a quick little fast break here of multiple choice questions. Um, we got three questions, pretty fun ones. The second one isn't really going to be fun for the people who are on this list, but the first one definitely fun. Uh, if I were to ask you, who needs a signature shoe first? Who would you say needs a signature shoe, Mr. Ainsworth? A, LaMelo Ball, who signed with Puma. B, Zion Williamson, who signed with Jordan Brand. C, Luka Doncic, signed with Jordan Brand as well. D, John Morant, who's a Nike guy. Who needs this signature shoe first, Mr. Ainsworth? So I think the answer here has got to be C, Luka Doncic. What do you think? Yeah, I. it's inter- it's an international thing, too. Like I think that Luka... Right. Luca can sell shoes in places in Europe that you didn't even know people were buying shoes. So he's a Jordan brand athlete, and Jordan brand has been hit or miss as far as sales of signature sneakers on players. But I think his European market is exactly like you're talking about. There is also, you know, I mean, perimeter guys tend to sell well, and he's a perimeter guy, whereas Zion's probably more defined as a inside dunker or whatever, right? Like Shaq's shoes never sold as well. I also think it's interesting that I don't know if you guys follow league fits on the Instagrams and Twitters and so on. We see guys walking into the stadium and like the Houston Rockets star because you got PJ Tucker, you got you said Russell Westbrook, you said Chris Paul, you have James Harden, you have all these guys that like wear outlandish things on the way in. And Luka Doncic walks in in like a t-shirt and jeans and is very very plainly dressed, but always has <laughs> a very like loud pair of sneakers on. Like whatever he's got on, it's like very muted, very like a normal you know guy in his early twenties in jeans and a t-shirt with a loud pair of sneakers. And so I think that that opens up the door for him getting his own loud pair of sneakers. And I think LaMelo Ball as the face of Puma could be fun. No, no, but no, I, no. Listen, LaMelo Ball would have to be so good to get Pumas to sell. Like, you must be out your mind. LaMelo, <laughs> LaMelo is fourth on this. He's going to get the signature shoe because he is the face of Puma. So maybe we should think about this differently. He's probably most likely because he's the he's the highest rung of Puma athlete in terms of publicity like people know who he is right that being said i don't know i i think he's gonna have a hard time pushing it's it's weird because people are still gonna remember all the big baller brand craziness too so <laughs> which coach gets fired first so we goes for this lighthearted segment where we're talking about signature <laughs> shoes to who's getting the axe in 2021 mr Ainsworth, i got five names on here which coach do you think is most likely to get fired first a scott brooks who's in uh dc coaching the wizards B, Ryan Saunders, head coach of the Timberwolves. C, Quinn Snyder, who's the head coach of the Jazz. Uh, D, J.B. Bickerstaff, who's the coach of the Cleveland Cavaliers. E, Mike Malone, who is a late addition to this particular list because the Nuggets have gotten off to one of the worst starts in the league. Uh, Which one of those guys do you think is getting the axe first? Well, it kind (laughs) of, it shapes, the shape of this question changes based on when it happens. If it happens like mid-season, I would lean on Ryan Saunders and the T-Wolves. You know, they have not been as successful with him there as I think they thought they were when they pulled him up. He's had a a little bit of an extended run, obviously, with his dad, uh, the late, great Flip Saunders. 
having such a great history there in Minnesota. But if it happens soon, it's going to be Mike Malone. <laughs> like there, there would be every reason for people in Denver to be upset. And I think it's interesting. We talked a little bit off pod when we were setting setting up today about like the comparison of Mike Malone and Quinn Snyder and how like they, both teams feel similar. And they also have very similar resumes and have only been coaching about the same amount of time and are both on the hot seat list. Well, Quinn Snyder, the Utah Jazz have basically stagnated. They 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 look the same. They're a team that will make the playoffs, get knocked out in the first round. A great year for them would be making it to the second round. At some point it feels like you gotta be you gotta think that we could do more and let's just get a new face in here to see if we could get someone in here who could do more. The tough piece with Utah is that you gotta get someone to come to Utah. That's the reason why you can't get free agents, right? So it's it's not like, you know, fill in the blank hot coaching is going to want to come to Utah. Like, that's a tough deal. So I think you're right in that if we're talking about who's going to get fired midseason, it doesn't feel like Quinn Snyder or Mike Malone, frankly, will get fired midseason. That's kind of an end-of-the-season deal because we haven't progressed enough. The guy who could get fired tomorrow is Scott Brooks because he's been in D.C. for a while with the Wizards. He's not. He hasn't had any success there. He basically, the only success that he has had is Oklahoma City with Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, James Harden, Serge Ibaka. Yeah, he was good there. But like, And then as those guys started going away, Brooks really didn't have the same level of success. So he feels like a guy who could go. Um, and I do genuinely believe that when Washington brought him in, they were thinking maybe we could get Kevin Durant because Kevin Durant's a Maryland guy. So th- that didn't work out either. So didn't um, work out. Scott Brooks feels like the guy. He also, like to be fair, he was 49 and 33 his first year there, and then guys started getting hurt, and he's slowly seen his team fall off to where now they're one in five, and like we said, the one win came without the guy he wanted them to bring in and Russell Westbrook. Right? <laughs> um, and but when I look at the Jazz and Denver, it's interesting that I think we would both say like Malone is in more danger than Quinn Snyder, but I would almost argue that if you look at they're like they've both been coaching roughly the same amount of years. Denver weirdly has trended upward, and Utah has trended downward, which is weird because I don't think either one of us think. I think that's just also like you got to temper where your expectations are because like it wasn't that long ago. What is this? The seventeen eighteen season was the year that like Denver versus Minnesota came down to the last game of the season to see who got in the playoffs and who didn't. Right? That was just seventeen eighteen, and then in eighteen nineteen. They got the conference semis, the second round. And then in 1920, in the bubble just now, they came back on the Clippers and got to the Western Conference Finals. And so like that is, you could argue, even though they had a bad start this year, trending upwards. Whereas the Jazz, since drafting Donovan Mitchell, have gotten to the Western Conference semis, Western Conference semis, so second round, and then first round, first round. Right? So like that's trending the other way. Which city needs an expansion team in the NBA when Seattle comes in. So the recognition is that Seattle is the obvious answer, right? Seattle's going to get the expansion team. So now when you bring in Seattle, you got to bring in someone else. Who are you bringing in? A, Louisville. B, Nashville. C, Mexico City. D, Las Vegas. I I lean on Vegas. Um, I think there's people worried about can they field the team and this and the same city that do USA basketball. But I lean Vegas. There's interesting cities in here, though, so I want to hear what you have to say. Uh, you know that I'm leaning Louisville because I'm a Kentucky guy now. And so I would love to have the NBA. I also believe that if you start looking at demographic data, that Louisville, in terms of population growth, can support being a small market NBA team. Um, I will tell you, though, the city that's on here that's most interesting is Mexico City. I don't think that Nashville is even a possibility because Memphis is already in Tennessee and has a team. I don't know that Memphis, like if the Grizzlies have this poll. They're not going to want another team in Tennessee. I actually think that if the Grizzlies have this level of pull, they're probably not even going to want that team really in Louisville, right? Uh, but right. I think that Louisville services, you know, a an area with Cincinnati. Like, you can you can look at that and say, okay, that makes some sense. I think it'd be interesting to have, kind of like the same we have Toronto in the Eastern Conference and Mexico City in the Western Conference. I, I think there's validity there. I lean Vegas because Vegas has shown – and each of the last couple of years, they've added a pro, right? They added the Raiders this year. They had the Golden Knights 
the year before, uh, three years ago. They had the Las Vegas Aces in the WNBA the year after that, right? And so I, I think that it's interesting in looking at like they are becoming your traditional pro sports city. I'm thinking of nicknames, and all of a sudden I'm thinking of like a nod to New York City AAU basketball and having the Mexico City Gauchos. Like that'd be awesome, <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Friends, that is another edition of F in Sports. As we wrap up our NBA preview, please make sure that you're going on Belly Up and checking out all the stuff that we're writing. We're literally writing about the NBA season as we are speaking. Like, I have an article on there. Uh, Mr. Azos has 27 articles on there. <laughs> like, he's also the senior NBA writer for Belly Up, so make sure that you're checking out our catalog. Mr. Ainsworth, why don't you go ahead, give folks your socials so that way they can yell at you about all the things that you wrote about <laughs> that you were wrong about. <laughs> yeah, all the things I wrote about, like the Black Eyed Peas commercials on Christmas Day, at, <laughs> so far on New Year's Day. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Painsworth512, that's P-A-I-N-S-W-O-R-T-H, 512 all one word on Twitter and Instagram. You can also find the both of us on the FN Sports Twitter page. That's at FN Sports 2, F-I-N-S-P-O-R-T-S, number two, all one word. I'll use dash P-A, Shockley's dash C-C, so you know who you're talking to. And Shaka, we got Instagram. Absolutely. You can find us on Instagram at F underscore N underscore sports. You can find me on social media, Twitter, Instagram at Shaka Cummings at C-H-A-K-A-C-U-M-M-I-N-G-S. I want to thank all of our substitute teachers from last week. It was a really good episode. I listened to it a couple of times. Everyone should go back and listen to all of our episodes a couple of times. And while you're doing <laughs> that, go ahead, like, subscribe, share, do all the wonderful things that help out the podcast. And please remember... When it comes to sports, don't funk with us. Later, guys. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Show your good side to the world and get rewarded. Become a plasma donor at Griffles and receive up to $800 your first month. You'll help save the lives of millions of patients. Learn more at grifflesplasma.com.